Welcome to 15 with Christine. Tina White, founder and owner of Panoramic Academy, is our special guest today. So let's get started. On 15 with Christine, we talk about all things business growth. But before we dive in, I want to let you know where you can find the broadcast. I'll come to you live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. Hit the subscribe button and you won't miss an episode. You know, my goal with 15 with Christine is to introduce you to people who can help you grow your business. And I... I'm excited to have Tina White with me today um, because Tina White in her journey has started a business that helps others grow. And Tina, excited to have you here to talk about your specific journey. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm excited. You know, Tina, I um, when, when I first met you, it was probably a little over two years ago, you know, I, you and your husband, I know, had started... Um, Brown heating and cooling, but I'd like to ask you the story of you know what brought you to the place of being an entrepreneur, and then further to the place of starting Panoramic Academy. We'd love to hear what's behind that. So I started out my career as an accountant. I took the traditional CPA route where I provided audit, tax, payroll, bookkeeping, accounting software, like all the things. And so I worked in public accounting for about 16 years. And then in 2010, I decided to um, start a company where I provided CFO services. Yes. And so those services... Um, that worked very well until we bought the business Brown Heating and Cooling in 2015. Yep. And then it was just a little bit busier than I expected. So I shifted my focus to that. Yep. And so, um, you know, owning Brown Heating and Cooling, we owned it for about five and a half years. We sold it last year. And so now I'm oh, going back to my accounting roots, but I'm blending both worlds where I'm helping from an accounting CPA standpoint to um, helping bridge that communication gap with the entrepreneurs. So that way everyone's getting the information they need so they can grow their business. Now tell us more, what do you mean by the communication gap? What, what is the gap? How would you describe it? Well, the fastest way is CPAs are from Mars and entrepreneurs are from Pluto. They're <laughs> on completely different planets when they're trying to talk. And there's this, um, you know, you, you really have to understand the journey that a CPA has gone through. So when you hire a tax accountant, they have gone through the training and they build up their experience to prepare the tax return. So as the entrepreneur, they're the CPAs are the great resource to hire when you want to meet that tax deadline. But, you know, it's often that the entrepreneurs get frustrated that they're not the CPAs are not able to help with all the other stuff that needs to happen from an administrative side, pricing, the human resources, the operational, all those types of things. And so there's just there there's just two different worlds that just need to come together and really understand that the tax return is one financial viewpoint. 
Yes. And there's really an operational financial viewpoint that's really important um, for everybody to get on the same page because that's what the entrepreneur needs. They need to be able to answer the question, will I have money to meet payroll this week? Mm -hmm. If not, why did I have a lo labor overage? Um, has a customer not paid us? What mm -hmm. is going on? And so I just want to help both of those worlds connect so yeah. we can really help small businesses grow even faster. That's exciting. So how did you how did you see the opportunity as well as the, the need to bring your services to the market? Um, you know, I provide continued education courses. Um, I started doing that when even when I owned the HVAC company. Yes. And so it just really came down to the um the, the questions that the the students were asking, you know, yes. they were so focused in on zeroing out their profit and lowering their tax bill. And it's like there's so much more to running a business and then focusing on just lowering your tax bill, because right. if all you do is lower your tax bill, usually you have to spend your money to yes. lower the tax bill. Well, okay. if you spend all your money at the end of the year, in January and February, you won't have any money that you need to operate. And yeah. so just kind of seeing like listening and it's like um, just really kind of reading between the lines, like helping them understand. Yes, I'm asking where did all the money go, but helping them really understand it's not just printing out an accounting report that lists all the expenses. It's right. really helping them analyze and understand where it all really went and yes. how do you use that information for next week's payroll and, you know, your account's payable check run. <laughs> yes. So what I hear you telling me, Tina, is that it was really born from learning from entrepreneurs about what they needed mm -hmm. and maybe what they didn't fully understand themselves. Definitely. Definitely. You know, can you share with us you know, what would some of your best clients or happiest clients say about working with you? Well, if they were being completely honest, they'd probably admit <laughs> that the first little time frame was a little bit painful because yes. let's just face it. Like I'm not, I'm not the one that created the bad news. I'm just shining a flashlight on where the problem is. And so it, so at first it's a little bit of a shot to the heart, even though the business owner knows that there's problems. When yes. you shine a light on what the real problem is and kind of put a dollar amount or how much time's being wasted, sometimes those numbers can be a little bit painful at first. But the good thing is, you know where the problem is. And here is how we can um, blend where the problem is, where you want to go, and let's create that map that roadmap. So that way you can quickly solve that problem and move on to um, you know, improving efficiencies or whatever you want to do in that business. So at first it's a little bit painful, but then they're really excited at how I'm able to blend and make it more layman's terms and yeah. customize to what they want. Cause there's no silver bullet. You right. know, every business owner and business is different, different goals, different resources, different history, different experience. So mm -hmm. just helping them blend all that together is really um, important and unique. Yeah, Tina, are there specific industries that you like to work in? 
I really like focusing in on service industry. So any company that's primarily selling their time. So yes. that's going to be lawyers, accountants, air conditioning and plumbing, landscaping, you know, anything in between. And so service companies are usually um, where the most opportunities are to really improve that bottom line. You know, so many people want to focus in on increasing sales, but wow, there's so many profit levers that you can yes. really work with in a service company to really improve that bottom line. So you've got a really strong, efficient company that's ready for you to grow and to scale. So if we look at it from two different perspectives, can you tell us what profit levers are in common with, say, a service company that is either you know, plumbing, HVAC, construction, along with you know, a professional service like accounting? Like what's in common when it comes to a profit lever and then what's different? Because I think that may help our listeners kind of understand the distinction. And I'd like to understand the distinction. Um, probably you know, since they both have a labor component, they're both providing service. We yes. all know that it's really hard to price our own services. So we naturally, we can go through the formula and everything's great. I'm really confident mm -hmm. in my pricing, but then we get yes. in that sales conversation and we start backtracking. Usually that's where the discounts come. So the lack of confidence is across the board with every service industry. I even struggle with it, but you know, you just really having that confidence in your pricing struggle, um, pricing structure so you don't default to giving discounts so you right. can make the sale. And then also scope creep, change orders. It doesn't matter yes. what industry it is. It's just a different label, just a different name. Right. And so we all have that where we um, we make a commitment, we give a price, this is what we're going to deliver. And then the customer says, oh, well, while you're here, can you just help with this? And we don't change the price. And, um, you know, by issuing a, a change order. And so that's definitely a universal thing, regardless of the service industry. And, um, you know, as far as what's different, I think um, I think the, the main thing is just all the different lingo. You know, that, you know, every industry has their own like individual struggles. Like one of the things that I had in the HVAC world that I did not have in the accounting world is yes. the callback. You know, I was paying a service technician to get into a truck to drive yes. to a customer's location. If they had to go back out a second time because they didn't do the job right the first time, I had to repeat the process and it's expensive. I have to pay the technician to get into a truck to drive to that location. Whereas in the accounting world, if I made a mistake, it's usually caught in the review process and the customer hardly ever hears about it. And if they do, I can just enter a journal entry or amend a tax return. So the mistakes aren't as extreme um, okay. between the two industries, but they're still there. It's just the way the process can work. You know, when it comes to working with business owners and, and entrepreneurs, what do you find are maybe some of the biggest blind spots, <laughs> you know, are areas where entrepreneurs just may not know how the business can be run better or how they can prepare down the road to sell like you did or how they can prepare for investors in the future as a fine, you know, with your financial expertise, you know, in, in these next couple of minutes, would would love to hear your thoughts on those topics. So probably one of the biggest things is um, business owners think it's normal for their company to always be dependent on them. 
but it, it really should be, you should be designing your business to where it gets to the point to where it matures and it yeah. operates profitably without your daily involvement. Right. And so usually that mindset is really common if you're getting your business ready to sell. But it's kind of like that TV show where do you list it or do you keep it with your house? You know, like they just totally revamp everything. I watched that show, I think, last night. <laughs> yeah. So you can do the same thing with your business. And once you get everything in order and taken care of to where it does operate without you, Yes. You can decide to keep it. You don't have to sell it. You know, that's the one of the beautiful things is yes. your business should mature. You should not be changing the diapers and tying shoes for your business for the next 30 years. It's not normal. Your business should mature. And so, um, you know, just really helping um, you know business owners understanding that you can grow without it being more customers calling your cell phone, without it being so dependent on you is definitely very important. <laughs> You know what, Tina? I might take that analogy. You shouldn't be changing diapers and tying shoes. I love that. You know, before we wrap up, my my last question for you is when it, and this is a more granular question, but I'm interested in this and I often run into it with my own clients. How can you provide expertise from a compensation standpoint? And are there even some blind spot areas when it comes to setting up comp plans that when business owners are looking to scale and grow, things they need to take into consideration that maybe they just may not be aware of because they are not a financial expert. Probably the biggest blind spot, uh, blind spot is usually they're thinking about a compensation plan because they've got one employee, one problem, one situation that they're facing that they're trying to solve. Yes. And so the biggest problem with that is you can't design the compensation plan around that one situation because as um, usually it's very common from a sales team standpoint, you know, yes. how do you reward them, keep them motivated, but then also not drain your entire bank account, trying to balance that. And so when you hire that first salesperson or that first person to your team, you want to like get them motivated, but then that compensation plan is not sustainable as you hire more people right? It, because you know, from a law standpoint, you have to make it to where everyone that you're paying within that same category, within that same job description, they need to be paid the same way. So um, the compensation plan is more of a big company strategy. Yes. So you've got to really step back and really think through the legal aspects of it, the financial and how it's going to, um, is it going to be restricting? Because if it's, you need to run the numbers because yes. sometimes 10% sounds like it's not that big of a deal, but 10% of top line when most yes. businesses only make on average, most across 212 industries, it's only 3% bottom line. And if you're wow. giving 10% away, that's a major problem. Right. Major problem. So you need to look at the big picture and not just look at it solving a one-off problem. Right. Yeah. Well, Tina, really enjoyed the conversation. If any of you are listening and you're thinking, you know what? I want to learn more about what, what Tina does with Panoramic Academy. You can go to panoramicacademy.com. Be sure to look up Tina White on LinkedIn and connect. We'll be back in two weeks with another conversation. Until then.